welcome back to another episode. I am wrapping up this last uh, week of May with the final episode of my Meike Meike May. I keep messing up his name. Meike May, and um, I just wanted to talk about a couple of other things that he's done. Um, once again, this is going to be kind of short because I wanted to focus on exactly that. Um, some of the short items that he's created, um, not just the films. And I wanted to wrap it up the Meike May with the shorts because some of them are outstanding um, and some of them are hard to find. So I'll, I'll give you that right up front. Even though I'm going to talk about them, you might be interested. I'll try to let you know where you can watch them if they're streaming or where you can purchase them. But my hopes is that you enjoyed this little series. I've never tackled a director series, at least not on my podcast. And so talking about these films uh, just made me revisit a lot of the ones that I liked. Now, the one I'm going to start out with, however... It is one, I'm just going to give you full disclosure, um, a lot of his movies have very uncomfortable themes or very uncomfortable scenes. Uh, this was one um, back in, I think, I want to say early 2000, there was a Showtime series called Masters of Horror, and it was one of my favorite things to watch. It only had two seasons um, on Showtime, and then it became um, an NBC-owned show, and they retitled it. Fear itself. And it's kind of um, a Twilight Zone, you know, anthology, Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side type of show. And Masters of Horror was really great because it, it really stemmed from a group of horror directors. Either they met on a monthly or a weekly basis, or they played card games. I forgot how they all got together, but they started talking about it and um, talking about how great it would be to have a, a show where each of them directs a segment. Masters of Horror was such a great show. I, To this day, I'm very upset that it got canceled and it didn't continue. It just so happened when we got to uh, Takashi Meike's segment, uh, Imprint, it was deemed so, I guess, so disturbing that Showtime did not air this. and. Like I said, this one, I wanted to start and just rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, this one is very, very hard to watch. I've seen it twice. Um, I rewatched it before I recorded this. And it's still, it's still very disturbing to watch. Um, you know, uh, I think if you watched it once, that would be more than enough. And uh, I do want to let you know the themes that are in it. There is probably triggering and traumatic things in this episode, and I'll give you the overview of it. Um, Masters of Horror is available for streaming on Tubi. I don't know if I would advise you to watch this like I did with any of the other films, you know, because they're the other films are kind of goofy and, you know, there's some horror, but Imprint is just very difficult, I and it's very disturbing. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, you have to see it. It's so weird. It really is very disturbing. Um, it's not one that I ad 
that I tout up to people to watch just because even me as a horror person, it, it does kind of make my skin crawl. So basically the story goes, there is a, an, an American, um, he comes to somewhere in Japan and he's looking for a former, I, I guess, um, lady of the night that he used to have a relationship with. And he promised her he would come back to get her and rescue her from the brothel and take her to America and, you know, make an honest woman out of her. And he goes back there and finds out that she's died. And there's a woman who has been assigned to take care of his needs. And she's basically telling him, oh, this, you know, Komomo died. And then he proceeds, she proceeds to tell him how she died. And as the story goes, um, it's almost like an Arabian Nights type of thing where he's listening to the story, but we can all tell something is amiss with it. Uh, it does have a really odd ending. Uh, I used to read a lot of horror comics as a kid, like uh, House of Mystery and The Witching Hour, and it has one of those kind of EC Comics type of ending. I'm only mentioning it because it's it is a amazing piece of work but it's also a very disturbing piece of work i i don't i think if you are the slight bit squeamish if you have a lot of triggering things i mean there's a lot of torture and a lot of um, abuse that goes on in this episode i would definitely make it a hard pass because like i stated even me as a lover of horror <laughs> I like horror because it's fake and a lot of the stuff in this episode was just too too real and and it just it bothered me a lot having said that <laughs> it is a good segment it's just one i don't really see myself going back to you know have repeat viewings of just because it just it does make me a little skittish watching it and not not so much because of the gore, but the content and how wholly depressing it is. Like there's no palate cleanser at all. Like I needed to watch something hilarious after that because it was just too much. Um, and I can see why Showtime passed on it. Uh, by today's standards, it probably doesn't seem too shocking because you know we see a lot of graphic stuff on regular basic cable. But it, for even for me, it was too much. It was a little too much. So. I just wanted to bring that one up and get that, rip that bandaid off because the rest of them aren't as traumatic, I should say, uh, as imprint is. Uh, the other short that I wanted to bring up is uh, there is a movie called Three Extremes and it's another anthology film. And I know a lot of people don't like anthology films, but this one had uh, three different directors. Um, we had Korean and uh, Japanese directors and Takashi Miike uh, did the last segment in this film called Box. I don't want to give too much away about this segment, but man, it was so good. I will say it has to deal with circus performers and things that are not what they appear. Um, now, Three Extremes that one is streaming on Tubi. The first segment in this, which was not directed by him, is one that kind of had my stomach going, ugh, 
<laughs> so if you do attempt to watch the kind of fast forward to his segment, unless you're okay with, you know, maybe having your stomach do a little flip flop. If you watch that first segment, all of them are great. His is the best one in my opinion. And I'm glad they saved his for last, but three extremes was, uh, very different. We had uh, one Chinese director, one Japanese director, and one South Korean director. And I thought this is kind of an, a neat mix of viewpoints from different directors' perspectives. And uh, so Takashi Meike's segment is called Box. It's well worth it. I don't want to give too much away because I feel like if I say anything about it, I'm going to give too much away other than I just said it was circus performers. So <laughs> that gives you an idea where we're going with this, but not much. So that one is streaming on Tubi if you are interested in that. And I do want to say the small segments in, in those film really knock you on your ass. I, I wasn't expecting to feel like I had a gut punch <laughs> when I watched each of them. And then I thought, well, I think it's best that they did it this way because if they made these into feature film length, uh, each of these segments, I don't know if I could handle it. I, I really, and I'm not trying to upsell it, guys. I, I just don't know if I could watch an entire movie about the first segment, the second segment, or the last segment, I feel like I would have been a little too overwhelmed. And uh, it's it's definitely one to watch. But as I always tell you, if you're squeamish or you're skittish, please do not watch Imprint or Dumplings. Just skip right to Takashi <laughs> Miike's segment in Box. Because Dumplings just, to this day, there's some things I will not eat when I go out to eat because of this segment. I just, I can't do it. Moving right along. And I, and I promised that this was going to be short because I, I just like giving you guys a little taste of, of things. And uh, I also wanted to give you the warning <laughs> about those things before you go and, you know, dip your toe into that horror water if you do. So I only have two more to talk about. And one is my absolute favorite. It's called MPD Psycho. And I am literally scouring everywhere to try and get this mini series on DVD. I don't care if it's Blu-ray. I just want it. I saw this um, back in 2000. And it's based on a Japanese manga. It's a crime thriller, which I'm all about my crime thrillers, but it has the horror element into the story. And it's a very fascinating series that I absolutely love. I think I rented it from Big Blue. And if people who've never been to a video store, if you are that age and you're listening, Big Blue was blockbuster. So I worked for an independent video store and it was a mom and pop type place. Our um, store was, you know, big, but it wasn't Blockbuster big. So Blockbuster, you could see it on every corner like Starbucks. So we just nicknamed it Big Blue because if our independent video store didn't have what I wanted to watch, unfortunately, I had to go to Blockbuster <laughs> to get it. And MPD Psycho was definitely one that our store did not have. I 
read a blurb about it in some magazine and I was like, oh, I've got to see this because at this point in the 2000s, I was kind of just pouring over all of his work. And what makes this such a great horror, thriller, detective series is that we have a detective who is following a serial killer. He's trying to catch this person. The serial killer ends up killing this detective's wife. And due to the trauma of that, he has multiple personality disorder. Uh, I think now we'd call it disassociative uh, disorder, but he ends up having multiple personality disorder, hence the MPD, and he's chasing a serial killer, hence the psycho. Uh, The way that he murders these people and the things that he does to these people really, really creeped me out. But what was still brilliant about the series is that, I don't know, maybe because it was um, a Japanese series, they would blur it. So you didn't really see the horrific aftermath, but you could imagine it in your head. Um, I think one, one strain of killings, he was turning people into human flower pots. So they would be in the ground and the flower would be sticking out of them. It was bizarre. It was the weirdest show I had ever seen and wildest up until recent shows that have come out, obviously in 2000s, that was like probably very, very taboo. You know, it's, it's really, the murders just escalate every episode. It just escalates and ramps up. And then the personalities get even more, fleshed out in this detective's mind, I was on the edge of my seat. I might have to add this to my wish list because I do see that it's on Amazon for like $45, but it's only six episodes, probably six episodes of the best show I'd ever seen at that time in my life. I thought it was the best thing ever still sticks out because it still stands out in my brain as one of my favorite kind of horror crime procedural thriller shows. They had a lot of censorship in it. And I think I read somewhere that he did that purposely as a kind of nod or a kind of a fuck you (laughs) to Japanese censorship. So there was a lot of stuff that he censored that wasn't even really explicit, but because I guess they had such a tight rein on what they could show, that was his way of just saying, all right, well, fuck it. I'll just blur this out. I don't give a shit. You're not going to see it. And you just have to figure out what it was. Uh, So MPD Psycho, not streaming anywhere. I'm sure you can find it on those sites that are not 100% on the up and up. (laughs) But like I said, it is Available for purchase on uh, Amazon, the entire series, for about $45. That's too rich for my blood for six episodes, but I will add it to my wish list. So if anybody wants to gift it to me, I I will gladly accept that gift because I haven't seen it. I think I've seen it twice. I rented it twice, and I don't know why I just didn't try to buy it at that time, but probably because Big Blue wouldn't sell it to me, I'm sure, you know? Uh, The very last one I do have is one that you can watch and one that is not too horrific. I want to say not too horrific, but I'm also thinking about my brain and what I think is horrific. 
I'm going off on a tangent. So the, the name of the current show is called Connect. And even though Takashi Meike is Japanese, it is a South Korean television series. This show is streaming on Hulu. Um, it only has about, I want to say six or eight episodes. Let me just check. It has six episodes. What is it with him? It's six episodes. It has six episodes. It is probably one of my favorite things. And I still have two episodes to go. So while I'm recording this, I'm still in the throes of watching it. My God, this series is insane. Just to give you a little, little, little tiny taste. We are introduced to a young man who is walking on a Korean street on his way home and he's singing and all of a sudden he gets kidnapped, pulled into a van in the middle of the night by some organ traffickers. That's pretty bad, right? They, they kill him, they take his eye and he's laying on the table and then he wakes up and he doesn't have his eyes. He finds one eye, puts that eye back in. All of his body parts are healing. And I thought, this is just the first episode. What the fuck is going on? Well, there's something particular about him. I don't want to say what it is. However, the missing eye was given to someone who he now has a connection with, hence the name Connect. And not only that, once again, this person is a serial killer and he's killing people in artistic ways. But our young friend who has now gotten his body back together is connected with the serial killer and can see what he is doing and when he's doing it. He just wants his eye back. He doesn't want to see these things. It is one of the most fascinating crime thriller horror series I've seen. I am definitely buying this if it becomes available so that I don't miss out like I did with MPD Psycho. And uh, he's on the hunt looking for this guy so he can get his eye back. Uh, We've got Uh, A lot of nefarious people looking for this kid because why is he up and walking around? So he's running from the gangs. He's running to catch the serial killer. He's also on the run from the police and the government because they want to investigate what happened to him when these organ traffickers took him. It is um, one of the best goddamn things I've seen in ages. And uh, there is some squeamish things in it. I don't want to say triggering, but there is a lot of gore in this one. But honestly, all that aside, it's just a clever ass show um, trying to figure out who this person is, trying to stay one step ahead of the people trying to catch up with him. And I think if you give it a chance, I think you would really enjoy this one. And once again, it is streaming on Hulu. Um, It debuted last year. And for whatever reason, I just started watching it this year. Um, But it is probably one of my one of my favorite things that I've seen um, 
that he's done because it has all of the stuff. It's got the horror stuff. It has the unusual serial killer and the motives and um, the different things that he does. And then it also has the mystery behind how is this kid able to be up and walking around after being harvested by organ donors. So organ traffickers, not donors, <laughs> organ traffickers. So I would definitely give this one a look just because it is really fantastic and it's available for you to watch without having to go to any sites that may not be like safe or the unsavory sites. Um, it's available now. You can watch it now. So I do hope you enjoyed my Meike May. Um, I probably will try to do another director series at some point. And um, I didn't realize that I did this and it coincided with Asian American Pacific Islander month. But that was great because it's a coincidence. I just didn't think about it. I um, hope that you will enjoy watching some of his movies, if not the ones that I've suggested on these episodes. You know, find the ones that you're interested in, read a little about them, because like I said, his themes do cross a lot of lines. Um, I, I didn't suggest Visitor Q, so anybody that knows about that movie knows that it has a lot of really uh, definitely triggering things and really uh, odd themes. And most of his movies do have odd themes, but a lot of them are just, you know, they're crime action related or, you know, they do have horror or, you know, they have unusual romances. It's, you know, he's got kind of a whole mixed bag of things that he likes to do. My personal favorite are the the crime ones, the horror ones and the uh, samurai uh, and samurai Western type ones. But you know, this is just a chance to talk about a director that I do love. Um, even the ones that make me uncomfortable, I've at least watched them. Not that they're my favorites, but, you know, the horror ones tend to be my favorite, favorite ones. Y'all should know that by now. And I just wanted to give him a little bit of love because I don't really hear a lot of people talking about him. And if they do, they don't talk to me about him. So this was just my chance to put a little hat on that guy and say, hey, if you're interested, check it out. If you like samurai films, check it out. He's got plenty of those. So I'm going to wrap this up. I hope you guys are all doing well. We are about to get into June. It's going to be hot as balls out here in the South. But um, I'll probably come back with another one next week just to talk about what horror movies are coming out in June. I have quite a few that I want to go on and on about. So I'll probably make another little short one about that. And if there is a director that you want me to talk about or a director you think I should look into or, you know, just throw it my way. I may use it. I may not. But it always helps to let me know what goes on in your brain because I sure as fuck let y'all know what goes on in mine. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. It's been a hell of a time doing these, but it's been a fun fucking time talking about me gay. Cause I, I do, I love his brain. I love the way it works. And I don't think he's going to slow down. Like I said, at the top of these, uh, the series, he's done about a hundred movies or so. So if he was a rap artist, he'd have like a mixtape out like every fucking week. It seems like that's, <laughs> doesn't seem like he's going to slow down anytime soon either. Uh, I hope I can keep up with that kind of stamina when I'm his age, but 
that's all I got. And I'm I'm so happy that you guys stayed with me throughout the month of May, gay May. And it was the, the month that I turned 52 and the month that I got a new job. And it's been a hell of a May. I've I've actually got to put this one in the books. So recording this kind of helped me make a little time capsule of what I did differently in the month of May of 2023. So I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you as always for listening. And you know, my thing, if you want to leave me a review, leave me a review. If you don't, you don't have to. No, no, I'm not forcing you. Just asking. Um, but as always, let me know what you think about these May Gay May episodes. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Let me know what's going on with you. What what's up with you in your life? I wanna know. I mean, we're friends, right? Sorta <laughs> from afar. But I guess I'll just leave you guys with, until next time, just listen out for my voice in the darkness, and I will talk to you then. Bye.